Hallelujah, Christ is risen. Some of you are like, Tim, would you get over it? Even my Orthodox friends who celebrated Easter later this year than we did, they're over the Easter celebration. And isn't that the problem? We get over the Easter celebration too soon. We reduce Easter to one Sunday. And this year, we're especially encouraging us to think about the Easter season, Eastertide, which it runs from Easter Sunday to Pentecost Sunday. And during that time to celebrate and to proclaim, hallelujah, Christ is risen. And to proclaim back to the one that says that to us, Christ is risen indeed, hallelujah. If you look at the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus, the, those times that he appeared to people after he rose from the dead and before he ascended into heaven, Jesus did several similar things. One of the things that he did was he'd move into a room and he'd speak shalom over his disciples. He would show them his wounds. He would breathe on them his Holy Spirit, and he would commission them to take his word to the world, to take his word to the world and to do his work in the world. And every time Christians get together, every time, whether it's on a Sunday in a house church, whether your house church meets some other time, or whether you're with God's people other times, the same things happen. When God appears, we receive his peace. We see his mercy. We breathe in his life and we renew the mission to take his word to the world and to do his work in the world. And so as I think about his commission, taking his word to the world and doing his work in the world, of trusting the Lord and doing good, there's some things the church can never escape. And the first thing the church can never escape is that we're called to reach the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. We can't save them, but we can reach them and we can point people who don't know Jesus to the cross. And we can say, God demonstrated his love for you in this, that while you were still a sinner, Christ Jesus died for you. And we have to be about reaching the lost. The second thing the church can never escape from as we take his commission into the world is we have to serve the least. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life. And on one occasion, as recorded in Matthew 25, Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes back and all his glory, he's gonna take people and he's gonna separate them into two groups, one on his right and one on his left and is gonna to say to them, and they're all gonna be surprised. He says to one group, blessed are you because I was naked and you clothed me. I was hungry and you fed me. I was a stranger and you invited me and I was a prisoner and you came to visit me. And they're gonna say, Lord, when did we see you as in any of those conditions? And he's gonna to say to them, as much as you did it to the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Blessed are you entering into the kingdom of the other group. He's simply going to say, when I was hungry, you didn't give me anything to eat. When I was naked, you didn't give me anything to clothe me. When I was a stranger, a foreigner, you didn't invite me. And when I was a prisoner, you didn't come to visit me. They're going to say, Lord, when did we see you and we didn't do it? And Jesus is going to say, as much as you didn't do it to one of the least of these, you didn't do it unto me. And so we understand that our call is to, to reach the lost, but it's also to serve the least and be attentive. But then the other thing that Jesus did that is the commission of the church is an intentional call to, to raise up leaders. You might call it making disciples. One of the joys of Miami Valley Church over the last couple of years has been the ability around tables on Tuesday night and in homes to begin to understand that the body of Christ works just like that as a body, that everybody has a gift and everybody has a calling and everybody has a role. And we're beginning to understand that and we're beginning, pun intended, to flesh that out and what that looks like in our body. One of the joys over the last couple of years has been that God has shown us that right in our midst were three men who had a gift of preaching and a calling to preach the Word of God. So last November, our church rallied around those men and their families, and we licensed them to the gospel ministry. So as we continue this series called Through It All, and we're looking at the Ten Commandments, we're at the last five commandments now. So over the next five weeks, you're going to hear from five different voices. Three of them are the three men that we've 
license to the gospel ministry. The first one that I want to introduce to you today that's going to be dealing with the sixth commandment is Marwin Brown. Marwin and his wife Jennifer came to Miami Valley Community Church and understanding and believing that they had a call of God on their life to, to preach and to serve the local church and instant involvement it became obvious and as I've spent time as Pastor Wolders has spent time with Marwin it's just been amazing to see his giftedness. Now some of you might know him as the anointed handyman. The guy can fix anything. Some of you might know him as the anointed artist. He paints incredible. In fact people commission him to paint pieces of art for them. You might know him as the anointed chef because he smokes incredible meat. And those of us who've had midnight over at his house have been the beneficiaries of that. And so you might know him in many of those ways, but we've come to know Marwin as a man who truly loves God with all his heart, soul, and mind, who loves Jesus, and who is committed to the authority of God's word. And so I'm excited that today Marwin Brown is going to lead us through the sixth commandment. And I know that you'll enjoy it as well. And so if you're watching on uh, Facebook, it's going to be easy for you. Would you just, as you are, are blessed by this teaching, would you just say thank you more? Maybe you're going to see Marwin and just tell him thank you for the way he delivers the word of God to us today. So before Marwin teaches, I just want us to pray. Almighty God, we've added many things to our planners and to our calendar apps on this day. But we know today that of all the things that take place, only your word will stand. Teach us that as we listen, we need to trust you in the midst of chaos and in the midst of a, a culture who might teach or believe different things. May we always know the truth of your voice. Father, as Marwin preaches, may you speak your peace to our hearts. May you watch over your word and bring it to pass as only you can through your Holy Spirit. Lord and Savior Jesus, we are yours. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning, saints of God. Today we're gonna uh, we we've been dealing in the uh, book of Exodus. We've been going over the uh, wilderness journey of the Israelites and seeing how uh, that applies to us and how God would use us in in a, in a matter for which He used Israel for our journey that we that we take. Um, I want to stand that book and uh, read out of Exodus chapter twenty, uh, verse thirteen. But I'm going to read the first um, thirteen verses of Scripture. And God spoke all these things, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall, not, you shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers on the children of the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. <clears throat> Remember the seventh day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath unto the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or, or, your, or your livestock, 
or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in the six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in, it, in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. I want to park right there for a moment and, and just explain uh, why the commandment you shall not murder is so vitally important. We know that the sixth commandment prohibits the taking of a life, i.e. murder or murdering uh, another, another fellow image bearer of God. Whether they're saved or unsaved, they are still an image bearer of God that we are, we are not God, we're not uh, permitted to murder another image bearer. It says, uh, one of the reasons that we have this misunderstanding about the sixth commandment is that it is a translation rendering uh, uh, problem. Is that um, one, of the, one of the things that, that we, we should understand is that when God uses this word, you should not murder. The Hebrew word for murder in the Old Testament is what they call rasa. Rasa means that a, a, a person that commits murder is committed under the act of knowing what they're doing, premeditated, orchestrated, and carried out and planned through. The Hebrew word for the word killing is harang. Harang means to slay, but not to murder. There's also a Greek word for the word murder, and that word is uh, dolophonia. That, and that, is, that, that means manslaughter. So, with the understanding of what we just understood right now, let's go into the first murder of the Bible, and that is Genesis chapter 4, verse 6 through 8. There's a very familiar piece of scripture there that is dealing with the Cain and Abel uh, story there. I'm going to read uh, the first um, eight verses. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep and Cain, a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry. That word very angry in the Hebrew means to be waxed hot, means to be heated. Uh, um, he, he had, he, he came, so Cain was very angry and, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, would not uh, would you will you not be accepted? And if you do well, if you do not do well, then sin is crouching the door. Now, notice something here. God asked Cain a question. He wasn't asking him a question as though he didn't know what had already taken place. He was giving Cain the opportunity to, to repent because he knew where his heart was. See, a lot of times as believers, we think murder is only a physical thing, but it goes beyond that because now the standard has been lifted. So now the standard is, is more than a physical thing, it's also a non-physical thing because I believe that murder takes place first within the heart before it ever becomes physical. And if we know that now we have to watch what we say to people because there are people that will do their best to upset us, but we cannot allow them to do so. If you, if, if you keep reading now, watch this. He said, 
the Lord said to Cain, why, why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? If you do well, you, you, uh, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, then sin is scratching the door. Now, what's scratching the door? Sin. Now, notice, notice what we're seeing here. We, we see Cain angry, and we also see sin. Now, uh, I believe that sin and anger goes hand in hand. Unless we take the scripture that, that talks about it in, in Ephesians, where it says, do not let the sun go down in your anger, which what that, what is perfectly saying here is then fix it. Because any anger that, that, that is allowed to manifest, allowed to, uh, uh, to linger, it will manifest in action towards another person. Now, watch this. He says, he said, he said, but he said, uh, its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Sin has no control over us. The only control it has is when you give it, give it power to have control. And he, he, God told Cain, he said, you should rule over it. But Cain chose to not rule over, but he chose to allow sin to take his rightful place over him. And that's something that's believers that we cannot allow, allow to happen because we have the power over sin. Because we have, and, and, and watch this. God wasn't telling Cain that he can do it by himself. What he was saying was that you need my help to help you rule over sin. He says, he says that, and Cain spoke to his brother Abel. Um, and when he and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Now watch this. That word kill, killed there, Cain didn't kill him because it was an unjustifiable murder. So, so we can't we can't use the translation as kill because it was not justifiable. It was literally out of Cain's own heart and jealousy, which the Bible deals with in, in the book of Galatians when it talks about the works of the flesh. So that is a, a misrendering there because the word that should be used there is the word murder because that's exactly what he did. Uh, amen. Now, now watch this. Now, um, according to Genesis uh, 4, well, the, the, the word uh, rasa is used as a verb, which means it is an action towards someone else. But but let, let, let's, let's keep reading. Let's, let's go to... Um, <clears throat> Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 15. Uh, we're going to read 1 through, uh, 1 through 3. 1 Samuel chapter 15, 1 through 3. We all know what this, this, this verse is here, but it's, it's a very familiar verse as well. It deals with um, the order God gave to Samuel to get uh, King Saul. Now watch this. It says, And Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, Israel. Now, therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. That word Lord there is, is Yahweh. Just, just want to let you know the word Lord there is Yahweh. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came up out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction. Now, don't miss this. All that they have do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Now, one may look at that text and say, well, that, that's horrible because that, that, is, that, that is pure murder. And not only that, that, that these are innocent people. Well, according to uh, Romans chapter 3, that the Bible says that none are innocent. Let me give you a little history on, on the Canaanites. And the Amalekites. Now, the word Canaanite can be used to encompass the Amalekites, the Jebusites, the uh, Hivites, the, Hit, uh, the uh, Jebusites. It can be used to encompass all of them. But let me give you a little history. 
The Canaanites took, uh, took, um, participated in rituals such as child sacrifice, uh, incest, uh, adultery, idolatry, all these things, they took place in bestiality. These are things that, that was a, a, a part of their culture that they were, that their, their own gods worshiped. So when we look at, uh, why God said to vote them to destruction, God is not saying this without a justifiable motive to do so. He's saying that these people would not repent. And, and then the, 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 those that grew up, uh, grew up in that culture will, will, uh, will also, um, take part in the same acts that they took part in. And here's the other thing. If you look, if, if, and, and this is in, uh, I believe it's in Exodus chapter 35, where he says that he told the Israelites to, uh, to, to not uh, make a covenant with the, with the, with the uh, Canaanites. And they did make a covenant with the Canaanites, and what happened? The Canaanites caused them to sin against God too. So in doing so, God already knew what would happen if he did not eliminate the Canaanites because it would cause Israel to be rebellious. And they did be, and they was rebellious, and Israel also experienced punishment. Now, I want to I highlight something here because you may say, well, how can God use sinners to kill sinners? Well, God does he want because he's sovereign one. For two, is that, is that when, when, when God is using the people of God like Israel to wipe out other nations, it's because justice has to be brought upon sin. If not, then sin can run rampant as we see today in our own society. So, but, but, but it doesn't stop there. When Israel got, got uh, out of line, God used uh, pagan nations to punish them. So God is sovereign that he can do what he want to do with his creation. Amen. Now, let, let's, 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 let's keep reading. But then Samuel, he told, Samuel said, I done this. He said he done it for God. But didn't God give him the order to kill everything in the village? And see, when we look at when we look at the order that was given to Samuel, Samuel did it for himself. And just like Cain, when God approached him about what he has done, he continued to dig himself in a deeper, deeper hole and started to lie instead of instead of repenting. But we will look at that text emotionally and say, well, well, that's not a loving God. How can he be loving if he's killing women and children? Well, when 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 the culture dictates to the, the birth of a child and that child becomes raised in that culture, then he knows nothing else but that culture. He, he's, he's, a, he's separated from God because the culture dictates to the, to the child and that child becomes full adult and start doing the same thing. We have to watch our own selves in that. When we raise up our child, the Bible says train up in the child in a way they should go, that they don't depart. We got to do the same thing. We got to train them up to where they know the word of God and they obey it. Because if not, somebody else will train them up, then they'll be away from God. Now watch this. He says, um, first, um, first John chapter 3, verse 15 to 17. I'm going to show you how much murder plays a part in your salvation as well. He says, Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. That's what the Bible says. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So as a Christian, we got to ask ourselves the question, if we hate, are we really children of God? Or are we just carrying a title? Because if, if we have hatred in our heart, the Bible clearly states that we are not a child of God. We, we have no eternal salvation, no eternal security but we're lost. We're in darkness. I like, I, I like this, 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 uh, this next verse in Genesis 9 and 6 uh, because it tells us, it says, whoever sheds the blood of a man, by man shall his blood be shed. 
That's justice. Because if you take a person's life, uh, uh, God says that your life is required because you had no reason to do so. As, as image bearers of God, we have no reason to murder anybody. But one might say, well, isn't killing murdering? Well, no, it's not. Because God, the Bible prohibits all murder, but it does not prohibit all killing. Because if it prohibits all killing, then what we're actually saying is that God is a sinner, that God is a murderer, God is, God is a, he's a lawbreaker. Who would want to serve a God like that? I know I wouldn't. Because, because we know God is not neither one of those because the Bible says he knows no sin, he cannot murder, he is so holy, he is, he's righteous. But 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 we see what we see the, those those battles and those bloodsheds in the Old Testament, and we draw to that conclusion based off emotions, which, which tells us how much do we really know about the God we serve, if, if we are so quick to tie murder and killing, making it synonymous with each other. You can never conflate the two because both of them are different. Because killing is prohibited. Because even in in um, in First Kings uh, twenty one nineteen. Um, we see uh, another example of, of, a, of a translational issue. And it says this, 1 Kings 21, 19. Okay. And you shall say to him, thus says the Lord, have you killed and also taken possession? And, and you shall say to him, thus says the Lord, in the place where dogs licked up the blood and Naboth shall dogs lick your own blood. Now here we see, we see King Ahab killing Naboth for his vineyard. Now Naboth, according to scripture, was a uh, righteous man. And, and, and um, we see King Ahab killing him because of what his wife Jezebel has said. Now, uh, if, if we, if we know, if we know um, Naboth, he owned a vineyard. He, uh, he sold stuff. He took. He did his own business, but because of what what uh, what Jezebel said, Ahab acted out of what she said and committed murder. Now again, we see in this verse we see the the, the word kill. Well, that's 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 not a a good translation there because the, the rendering of that word shall be murder because it was an unjustifiable taking of another human being's life. That is also an image bearer of God. Some people when it when when when, when people. Um, do things wrong, they say, well, okay, what's the difference if, if, if the state has a right to kill, why shouldn't we? Okay, well, let's go to Romans chapter 13. We, we'll, we'll answer that question right now. Romans chapter 13. So, here we go. It says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Now, God is, 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 is fine with what they call capital punishment because what, what, what is being done here is that criminals are being punished. Murderers are being, are, are, are being punished. So when you commit a, act of, 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 a sinful act of, of crime, then what follows that is justice. And God talks about law and order throughout the whole Bible. He talks about law and order. Um, I got two points I, I want to touch on here. And I want to talk about the word mur murder. 
Uh, point number one, murder is an immoral, heinous, heinous uh, act that pre uh, is premeditated, i.e. Uh, i.e. planned, planned through, thought out, orchestrated, and um, and harms someone, someone else. That's what murder is. Point two is killing is not prohibited. Is not prohibited. All killing is not prohibited, but 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 killing is also is a justifiable means to either either protect self-defense or protect someone else, or to carry out a law-abiding order. That's what killing is. But most people conflate the two and say they're the same. But they're not the same. Um, what I want you to what I want to read to you in closing is this: God God says you shall not murder because it shows His character and how much He values life. All life is precious to God because we see in, we see when God says, "Let us make man our image and at our likeness." That's God creating life. Genesis uh, uh, one and twenty six, and we see in Genesis two and seven where God. The Bible says he blew into man a uh, blew into the nostril of man uh, life. The breath of life was blown into, into man. So we see how much God cares about life because nowhere in Bible can you see God just taking someone's life without just without being justified. Could he? Sure, because we're all sinners, but you don't see that. Anytime you see God take a life, it's because that life is deserving of his wrath. And I gave you a couple, I gave you a demonstration of it with the Canaanites. The Canaanites, uh, the Canaanites were uh, were justifiable in God wiping out the Canaanites. So, 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 life is precious to God. Man has no right to murder a fellow image bearer of God because it is sin, and it's something that you cannot come back from. And according to Cain, Nabal, when 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 uh, he murdered his brother, God said that, "What have you done? Your brother's blood is crowded to me from the from the dirt." So he knew what he done. There's three things I want you I want you to think about in your house church. One is how does your understanding of the sixth commandment affect how you interact with people? Number two, what have you learned about the character of God through this teaching? And number three, what adjustments can you make in how you treat people? Those are questions I want you to think about because we have to ask ourselves those those tough questions, and we, we sometimes we think we don't we don't uh, fall under that category, but we do because sometimes we do mistreat people, and and sometimes we have to put ourselves back in check and we have to pray to God and have God show us how we should interact and treat people the way they the way we want to be treated. Amen. Praise God. We thank you for this lesson today. Enjoy the rest of your uh, evening. God bless. Hey, church family, I am so thankful for Marwin and the way that he just shared God's truth with us. And he even challenged us to wrestle with those questions at the end of that. And so that's what I want to do right now for you and your house church and the people that you're meeting with this morning. Would you read Exodus 20 verse 13 in God's word and then wrestle with those questions together? Talk about what the Lord has revealed to you today. I love you, church family. Praise the Lord.